0: You're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where, well, in this case, two friends get together and talk about a horror movie and uh, spoil that horror movie. Recently watched, we will not spoil very much, if at all, and we're not professional critics. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show, you can find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you could buy it digitally and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we three, when there are three of us, made a coloring book for Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, this movie is uh, probably better than the one we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> Let's just be clear, Ed Wood uh, did some better work than uh, what you'll see in Carnosaur. But we made a coloring book for it, and you can go to plan9coloringbook.com. That is plan, the number nine, coloringbook.com, and buy it there. It's 33 pages uh, of illustrations, very crisp, uh, heavy-duty paper, so you can color it or maybe use some markers, depending on what kind of markers, and uh, there are activities pages and all kinds of fun stuff to do. So again, plan9coloringbook.com. Buy it now, and maybe get it on time for Robonica or uh, Christmas. (laughs) You're too late for Robamadon, but that's okay. Jolian, what have you watched since we did this last? Well... I'm throwing you uh, under the bus. Just start it.
1: Okay. uh, It's my birthday. Uh, My wife gave me a Carol Zeeman Blu-ray set from Criterion. Excellent. So I should, I should be watching that again. Uh, comes in a deluxe limited edition pop up Blu ray packaging. And uh, all right, I, I shall do this in uh, order of watching, not order of quality. Um, <laughs> okay. So I watched a couple of them. Um, there's this Chinese um, streaming service called Youku And some of that stuff pops up on uh, YouTube. Um, so you can check out some uh, recent uh, Chinese uh, fantasy movies, uh, and they've been doing a couple of uh, giant monster movies. All right. Um, so they've done a couple of movies about giant snakes, and you can tell how good these films are by the titles. Uh, the first one's called Big Snake, mm. and the second one's called uh, Big Snake Two. <laughs> really. So. Big Snakes from 2018, uh, directed by Zhen Zhao Lin. Uh, it's basically um, the plot of uh, Kong Skull Island, but without any context to it.
0: Mm.
1: Um, so a botanist leads a, a team of mercenaries um, and a businessman on a search for a plant to cure cancer, which happens to be in this uh, mysterious island. And they have to go through a, a cloud to get into the heart of the island. And uh, in the cloud a cloud of flying piranha. Um and uh, once they get into the uh, forest, they encounter such things as uh, man-eating plants, which kind of look like Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. And uh, eventually run into giant snakes and then even giant-a-snake. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's quite amusing. Um, they, they've, uh, they seem to have a bit more of a budget than the sci-fi channel stuff. Um things you know uh it's obviously they don't have a lot of money but uh you know some of the special effects are pretty good and um it's a well-shot film but you know dumb uh by the numbers stuff sure um yeah uh and then i watched a indonesian superhero movie called gundala from 2019 uh, this is directed by Joko Anwar. He directed uh, *Satan's Slaves, you might remember from a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, which starred uh, Tara Basro. She's in this one as, as well. Um, this is based on a 1969 uh, comic. And uh, it's meant to launch a um, cinematic universe of uh, Indonesian superheroes. Uh, Gundala means a thunder. He's this, he's this guy who uh, gets his powers from being hit by lightning. Um, and uh, you know, being an Indonesian film, it's good, the, the fight sequences are really good. Uh, it, it gets pretty brutal sometimes. Um, uh, one of the guys from uh, the film, uh, The Night Comes For Us, it plays the hero, uh, Armana Aryasatya. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I, I found it uh. It was hampered by having to set everything up and, uh, uh, but, uh, and, and the second half I found a bit choppy, but, uh, overall I enjoyed it. Um, and then I saw, uh, the invisible man from earlier this year.
0: How did was that? that one? No, no. How was that?
1: So yes, this is directed by Lee wan Um, you know, he did the Saw series and Insidious and
0: yeah.
1: Aqu- Aquaman and, um, Anyway, uh, it's uh, I mean you know what the basic plot is because the trailer gives the whole thing away.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I was warned to not watch the trailer if I'm going to ever watch the movie.
1: Right. Um, yeah, I found the storytelling was pretty poor. I mean, ironically for an Invisible Man movie, a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, plot points are something we're told about rather than seeing. Um, and uh, I, I found myself uh, asking questions about why people are doing things hmm. uh, the way they are in the movie. Um, so I, I didn't really get into it. It's got some really good scenes in it, though. How's, and the the Invisible Man effects are really good.
0: How are the performances? Like, is Elizabeth uh, Moss really good in this, or? She, yeah, she's
1: really good. Yeah, oh, good. I, I like her work. Yeah, it's got a good cast. Mm-hmm. I, I, what, what else have you seen her in?
0: Well, the first and most important thing I saw her in was Mad Men, and uh, she plays this character who you're not sure if she's just going to be sort of um, um, pushed to the side and uh, disregarded or what have you, but she ends up becoming a very important character in the series, and she's able to bring it from subdued to uh, conscious of what's going on to aware of what to do to roll things forward for her best interests. And it's super, super good performance over the span of several seasons. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, I'm ready to see her in anything she wants to be in. And then she was in that, um, uh, that Shirley Jackson movie, Shirley, and she did a great job playing somebody who was definitely losing it. And, uh, I have not seen, uh, the handmaiden's tale or whatever that one's called. That series Um, I haven't seen that at all, but I understand she does a great job in that. And for some reason, she's a Scientologist and we won't get into her belief system, but, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. Okay. Believe what you want to believe. You know, I I think that's kind of the theme in America right now is believe what you want to believe. (laughs) Just, just do it. Whether it's true or not, just believe it and go blithely forward as you will. <laughs> no, but she is great and I really look forward to seeing more work from her. And uh, I'll watch yeah. The Invisible Man just to watch her, but do you think Oh yeah, it's-, it's worth a look even though it, it's maybe not uh, as cohesive as it should be or whatever else we're hearing about it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, she's she's great, and the effects are good. Um, you've got some intriguing scenes where uh, she's being tormented by her, you know, husband. She's trying to get away from. Um, he's you know he's like uh, gaslighting her all the time and
0: uh, oh. setting
1: her up as a as a as a murderer. And, um, so that's quite good. Oh,
0: that's um,
1: great! I like the scene in the restaurant especially.
0: Um.
1: Yeah. So yeah, uh, check it out.
0: Is that one is that one for rent or is that available on one of the platforms we're on?
1: Um, well, you can definitely pay to rent it. Um, I just got it from the library.
0: Oh, good. People don't even think of that anymore. It's like walking. <laughs> it's like walking places. People are like, "How am I going to get there?" You can walk.
1: How well, I, how yeah. You... It's like uh, why take the risk? You know. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's like I could rent it I mean, for they, free.
1: They've got a pretty good setup at the library for picking stuff up oh, right really? now. But uh, like lo- last time I went, uh, I was you know I got there right to, right on time. But there was this guy wandering, you know, he was, he kept coming up to people and going, "What day is it, man?
0: <laughs> Why it's Christmas Day, Mister Scrooge?"
1: <laughs>
0: That's the only answer. You know, there, there's a line from Total Recall where the guy who is i want to say he's a cab driver or some sort of uh sketchy scammer guy he keeps saying man i got three kids to feed or something like that he changes the number a couple of times and i kind of just want to answer anyone panhandling me man i got three kids to feed and uh, you know i've got <laughs> dogs i don't have any kids but you know it's uh it's it's one of those things where you know you you've got uh You've got those important movies, those pivotal points in cinema, like, you know, Total Recall. Yeah, it's, it, it was very important. So you, you want to reference it as often as possible. You've know, tr- you got Tremors. I think,
1: I think the taxi driver in Total Recall was a robot, wasn't he? Yeah, Johnny Cow. He was like part of the car. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, John, Johnny Cab.
1: I so to watch that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the remake of that? I I couldn't
0: I couldn't but I not to say I won't but I couldn't so far but I will probably
1: (laughs) okay yeah I I liked it it's got some really good production design on that
0: good
1: Uh, yeah I always always like watching her
0: did they did they bring back the thing with the uh, fingernails where the uh, woman at uh, uh, the place that does the memory implants or whatever where she's changing the color of her fingernails by touching it with a pen Like every woman who watched the original Total Recall was like that (laughs) somebody invent that. (laughs) Like literally everyone, every woman who saw that movie was like, why is that not a thing yet? Get on it. It's like, well, now we're busy with, you know, vaccines and stuff, but, uh, we gave up on hoverboards, right? Right. You know, there, there's a version of it out there, but it doesn't really hover but somebody needs to make the, the nails that change color with the touch of a pen. That that's gotta happen. <laughs> anyway, what else did you, was yeah. that it? Was that it? Or was it?
1: Uh, so, I was, all right. Here's another one from uh, Yuku, uh, snow monster. There's another good title for you. Mm. Uh snow monster. It's about a snow monster. And, uh, <laughs> as, as far as giant Yeti movies go, I think this is the better one. Um, <laughs> there was this Italian one made to cash in on the 70s version of King Kong called uh, Yeti Giant of the 20th century Hmm. and uh, that one's pretty boring Um, it's got this uh, Yeti that looks like Barry Gibb I couldn't really get over
0: it oh my god Really? Um, but
1: anyways Snow Monster uh, this is directed by Huang He it's um, and the giant Yeti sometimes they use CG but More often than not, he's a guy in a suit. I was really delighted. And he's quite a cute-looking yeti. Um, It's got uh, snow sharks in it. It's got prehistoric crows. Um, It's got – the Merck team in this one is a bunch of uh, really poorly equipped and poorly disciplined yahoos uh, that just point their rifles at things for no reason. Good.
0: Um,
1: you know, they, they, yeah, they just feel like a bunch of prow boys. They're just a bunch of morons. Um, <laughs> uh, it doesn't make sense at all. There's no logic to it. It's like the this team goes in to rescue the first team. The first team was driving around in this kind of Humvee out on the ice, um, but the when the team rescue team goes in, they have to go through this cave full of uh, flesh eating prehistoric crows, and uh, you know how you know the first team drove there why why aren't you just driving there
0: you know what'd be really cool man uh, uh, if a bunch of those crows <laughs> landed on the humvee and when they flew away all the guys were gone <laughs> <laughs> that's what your that's what your schoolmate said omen was about if you're yeah yeah that
1: was his his version of the omen yeah was, yeah <laughs> um yeah so uh various uh, nonsensical things happen in it and uh it's got quite a sad ending. You know, the typical lost world movie story. Mm. Uh, modern day people find the lost world. And by the end of the movie, the lost world is destroyed. <laughs> um, so a bit of a bummer at the end, but uh, I, I love the Yeti in this one. Uh, very cute. Um, and then uh watch the Carnosaur trilogy.
0: You watched all three of them? So th- or, or are there four? E-
1: there's three in the Carnosaur series, and then there was a two uh, kind of adjoining sequels called Raptor and Eden Formula, which I've not seen. Oh. Uh, I didn't make it all the way through Carnosaur three.
0: So is that good? You wanted to save it for mm-hmm. later.
1: Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> I wait oh. until we get uh, color changing fingernails. And
0: then. <laughs> yeah, as soon as that happens. Then, you know, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll sit back changing my nails watching Connoisseur three.
0: <laughs> well, I got to tell you that it, it uh, was a busy week with work. So I kind of um, I took my viewing uh, at, at, a, at a pace that I could handle. So I watched a, probably about four episodes of the most recent. Se- uh, uh, I want to say series, but the most recent season of Rick and Morty. Uh, I really do enjoy this cartoon because there is just, uh, I like cartoons anyway, but when they're meant for adults and then they have some really like multi-layered, multi-leveled bunch of craziness that you could refer back to other episodes and be like, oh, that character walked by in this one scene and then somebody said something and you could revisit all that stuff. Luckily, there are fans who do that for you. And if you want to, you can read up on it a little bit. But, uh, Rick and Morty is super interesting. Like they'll just go on these adventures just because, and it's a grandpa and his grandson that are based on, uh, the back to the future doc and Marty, but it's Rick and <laughs> Morty. And, uh, um, I think you talked about this a few episodes ago, all the colors of the dark from 1972. Oh yeah. Yeah. Watch mm-hmm. that one. Cause I, I, I was scrolling through, um, I assume it was amazon uh prime video, and I saw this one and I went that sounds familiar, and I watched it, and I really enjoyed it. There was this satanic cult that was uh yeah in London yeah that, that was messing with the uh reality of this poor girl and uh i don't want to g i don't want to give away as much as I gave away about that cartoon, but uh it's it's well worth a watch. I enjoyed it,
1: yeah yeah she's a uh... Isn't she uh, Edwige Feuillade? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, she's not hard to look at. And uh, <laughs> all the characters are really like the the kind of the leader of the satanic cult. He looked really crazy. It was cool. Like you you doubt some character yeah. some characters along the way. Like you believe in some and you doubt others, and sometimes you're wrong about both. I like that. That was really yeah. cool. Uh, it looks gorgeous. I, I like
1: uh, I like I like when uh, London's shown in like yellow uh cuz it just le- feels weird watching your hometown seen through up- eyes like that
0: yeah yeah like you can make any place look like something it's not but that definitely was weird <laughs> um the other one i watched uh, was a documentary called frame 313 the jfk assassination theories and for listeners who don't know this i've got two things that i always go back to and that's ufo's and the jfk assassination <laughs> and this one visits uh several different possible motives uh from several different possible groups or individuals and it goes through how they This
1: doesn't it doesn't involve UFOs, does it?
0: It does not, strangely. I it mean, does not. Okay. It should. I mean, they should throw that in there for good measure, but they don't. They've mm-hmm. got they've got Cuba, they've got the CIA, they've got the mafia. Those are the three main ones. Mm-hmm. Uh the crazed loner, most people agree Lee Harvey Oswald could not have been uh, both behind the president and in front of him at the same time. So, I mean, believe what you want to believe once again, but uh, you know, I don't think he did what they say he did from that direction. He
1: may have. Is also the uh, haberdashery conspiracy theory.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> what was that from? What was that from?
1: There, there was like some the theory that because Kennedy. Was uh, he didn't wear a hat when in a time when men were supposed to wear hats? It was a disaster for uh, haberdashers of the nation, yeah. So they uh, naturally decided to assassinate the leading non hat wearing person,
0: and they had a clear shot with no hat in the way, so yeah, you know, you got that, yeah. I feel like I saw that um proposed in some movie or something but you know throw that in there too why not because we'll never know they've got the they've got the files sealed and everything's redacted well they're never going to tell us but there is one mafia guy who says I fired the kill shot and he's he's very adamant and very convincing about it but you know what doesn't matter it really doesn't
1: do you have a favorite story, th- theory?
0: Um, my, well, I would say the one I gravitate to that I feel is most likely the case is that it was an inside job from our own government and that they did want to put it off on the crazed loner, And so maybe they did get Lee Harvey up on that sixth floor, or whatever it was of the, uh, uh, the book depository. I always want to jokingly say books depository, but <laughs> and then, and then I'm gonna, I know I'm going to accidentally say it instead of depository, but he's up on the, what, the sixth floor of this building with this rifle that's an okay rifle, but it's not the preferred weapon of a sniper. And they say that there's no way that you could physically get those two shots off in the amount of time that they would need to be fired. And that's what some experts have said. So that makes you wonder, okay. I've
1: heard, I've heard that, but, uh, you know, I've seen people demonstrate that you can.
0: Okay. And you know, if he was a good marksman, maybe he did get one of those shots in, but that shot comes from, you know, above and behind the president. And then the other one comes from in front of him, clearly. But what do I know? I'm no ballistics expert. (laughs) I know that somebody shot him in the head and, and uh, he died immediately. They pronounced him dead later, but uh, the Kennedy assassination is fascinating because there's so much going on and it was filmed and, and there's mm-hmm. the Abraham Zapruder film, but then there's also some other vantage points and some other still photos.
1: Yes. I saw that one. They had a, something that they showed in Britain which is where they had it from the, the other angle and it shows the grassy knoll. Yeah. And uh, they they put it through uh, filters to reveal the, you know, what's the blurred figures on the grassy knoll. Yeah. And it's like a construction worker and, you know, various other members of the village people <laughs> <Yeah. or> whatever. <laughs> but they, they, yeah, they kind of pull these figures out of a mess of pixels from this, 16 millimeter film and it wasn't very convincing.
0: No, that's in my opinion. That's a lot of using your imagination, is what that really is. And I and I, yeah. I and I, there's only so much you can assign to it because there's like, oh, there's the uh, badge man over here, and then some some people who are experts at uh, applying scale to a still photo or some footage have said. Well, if this guy is standing behind this wall and he's wearing a badge, and that's what we're seeing in this group of pixels, he's got to be about 12 feet tall. <laughs> you know, they figured it out. Like, he, <laughs> there's no guy with a badge standing behind this
1: wall. So you're saying it's Bigfoot?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line is this, wow. guy, this was Bigfoot. The, the the UFO drops him off, <laughs> goes in, uh-huh. shoots Kennedy from behind the wall whilst wearing a badge, and then... Uh, you know, that makes sense. Steps through a portal and he's out of there. What 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 that else makes sense. What else do you need? But it's yeah. it's honestly one of the craziest stories and it changed everything that was going on at the time. So it's always going to be fascinating to me, but I have to realize that just like with Roswell, we're never going to be told the truth. We're never going to really know. So what's most interesting and most entertaining about both of those subjects is that we won't know and that there's a lot of different ways to approach it and believe different things about it. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Uh, and you know what the, the trouble here is you can click on the thing that says people who watch this also watched that. And then they give you a whole <laughs> list of other crazy stuff. And there's a documentary called the grassy knoll. And I'm like, Oh shit. Oh, okay. Now I have to watch that.
1: Yeah, the last last thing I watched of that was the Oliver Stone film.
0: Yeah, that was rough.
1: Yeah, I never got around to reading the Stephen King one.
0: I watched the um uh, the the I think it was made for Netflix production of that and it was good. <laughs> but uh yeah, the the Oliver Stone one um ties it all up neatly for you but uh with a character who's not real. So that doesn't help. Like Ah, oh, Mr. X ties it all together. And I'm like, well, damn it. Now we know. And then a friend of mine was like, yeah, there's no such person as Mr. X. Uh, okay. Great. I was like, how have I never heard of this Mr. X? Because <laughs> uh, Oliver Stone <laughs> made him up. <laughs> okay. All right. Never mind. We're back to square one. We don't know what to believe. So that's it for me. And then Carnosaur. And I did not yes. watch parts two, three or other uh, juxtaposed uh, things. Uh, mm-hmm. You couldn't wait to watch this. Now how do you feel about couldn't it? Couldn't
1: I? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I, I picked it for Will. Because uh, he, he didn't want to see anything that would need concentration.
0: Uh, yeah. And he's he's not feeling well enough to join us, so uh, maybe that's because he did watch it.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, what is your history with uh, Roger Corman? Uh, do you have much of a history with his films?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I've I've watched uh, almost everything he did in the fifties and sixties. Wow, and and a bunch of his seventies work. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I I I he's got an eye for talent. He can pick, you know. Directors and actors on the way up. Yeah. Uh, I picked some really great ones. Um, I'm not a fan of him as a director. Um, and he's often cutting corners to his own detriment. Um, but he's, he's a very uh, smart guy. Um, yeah, I've not really liked his, uh, his output from the past, few decades, though.
0: Now, he's 94 years old as of present and uh, still kicking. (laughs) So uh, since 1954, he's not. uh, Well, I don't let me take a quick look here and see, like, what's the last thing we have from him? Um, I don't know if this is in good order or not. He worked through at least two thousand one as a director that I can find, <clears throat> but he did uh, he did a lot of work over the years, and seemed like he was pretty much like how do we take as little as possible and make money with it? That seemed, <clears throat> that seemed to be kind of his angle. But you're right about it. he he would get people who he seemed were pretty sharp and put them to work. And be like okay you've never directed anything. You seem like you could be a director. Go direct this picture for me. And if it's good,
1: yeah, he, I'll
0: give you another job.
1: Yeah. And he's, he was, picking people like Francis Ford, Coppola, and yeah. Joe Dante and so on, you know? Yeah. There's lots of great people came out of his, his studio.
0: And I think they all kind of got the
1: idea. And yeah, yeah. It was great. They're, they're, they're like, Sorry.
0: Don't, the,
1: the,
0: I think they all got the idea. Don't go complaining to him about what you don't have. Work with what you do have. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's not going to want to
1: hear it. Yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah, Francis Ford Coppola, can you imagine like w- we wouldn't have, uh, you know, Dracula, for example, <laughs> <Never> mind <laughs> Okay. The Godfather, but you know, we wouldn't have Godfather three or Dracula with Keanu Reeves. If it weren't for this man. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so we got, uh, let's see. Death Race 2000.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. So that, that was shot by a, a, a tack Fujimoto who went on to win an Oscar. Uh, I think he got it for Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but that's got David Carradine in it. It's directed by Paul Bartel. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's in it. <laughs> oh
0: my god, that's great. Um, uh, have you seen so, that one? I haven't. Um... <laughs> oh
1: yeah, you should check it out. Yeah, Carradine plays his character named Frankenstein because he's he's been patched together after so many accidents. Oh, that's. And he wears great. this like a uh, leather black leather bodysuit and a helmet.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen scenes from it, but I've never that I know of at least watched it start to finish, but there's always the scenes from it where they're, you know, scoring points and they're driving the crazy cars and
1: all that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yes. Let's see. Piranha. Piranha.
1: Piranha. Joe Dante.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've got Piranha stripped to kill. Um, humanoids from the deep. So much important stuff where. Yeah.
1: So these, that's like 1980. Yeah. So in the 50s, he's, he's, uh, his, his early films are like westerns and, and, uh, and he got into science fiction films. So he did, uh, Attack of the Crab Monsters and, um, Bucket of Blood with Dick Miller. Uh, in the 60s, he, uh, he, he got into color films with a bit more money to him and he did the you know with the Poe films, the Lovecraft films with Vincent Price.
0: Yeah, he did a whole run of those. Yeah, and uh, let's not forget She Gods of Shark Reef, which uh, you gave you, right, you gave right. me the poster for that one. <laughs> so that was a Corman. Yes, so Corm, Corman and Arkoff worked together on that, didn't they?
1: Yeah. So put- always good posters on those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: the posters are great.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: He shot that back to back with another film. If I could, uh, let's see. Uh, it was naked paradise and she gods of shark reef. Uh, so he shot these in Hawaii and, uh, yeah. If
1: if he had to go somewhere to shoot something and he had, and he had leftover, uh, film, he'd just do another film.
0: Yeah. That, that kind of falls right in there with the, uh, we had a thing for two weeks. We're going to make a movie with it. (laughs) And for him, yeah. that was a trip somewhere and some extra film. It, you know, wasn't anim- so.
1: So uh, I think uh, on on a dare, he made a little shop of horrors, and what was it two and a half days?
0: Was that how quick he made that? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, here's a list. I I just found it. Um, the list of young directors that he gave a, that he gave a shot to who went somewhere were. Francis Ford Coppola, which we mentioned, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, who we mentioned, John Sayles, James Cameron. That is Mm -hmm. a crazy list. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, love or hate his movies. Let's just give him props for what he did to bring us other directors who made good stuff.
1: Which is yeah yeah and he had he had uh, like back in the fifties he had uh, Charles Griffiths was writing a lot of his uh, films and he's he's like a witty guy who could like turn out a an amusing screenplay fast enough yeah um so so that helped a lot
0: and uh, he helped launch the careers of Peter Fonda, Jack Nicholson, Dennis Hopper, Bruce Dern, Stallone, as you mentioned, Diane Ladd, who was in this movie, and William Shatner. Mm-hmm. So here's a whole bunch of people who, um, and of course, Bruce Dern, there, there's a lineage here that, that brings us to Carnosaur. of yes. course. <laughs> right. Bruce Dern was married to Diane Ladd, and uh, what's crazy, and you probably know this, uh, yes. <laughs> their, their daughter is in Jurassic Park.
1: Yes, Laura Dern.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, this this bad movie.
1: Yes, they, Uh Yeah, um, those two women did uh, Wild at Heart together.
0: Oh yeah, there's a there's a a, a long standing thing with David Lynch, isn't there? Like they they had some back and forth with some other movies, didn't they? I want to say they did.
1: Uh, they were in another movie together. I forget what the name is.
0: Was uh, was she in Blue Velvet? Laura Dern was in Blue Velvet, wasn't she? Uh, let's see.
1: Let's,
0: let's, let's bring that up. Cause I, I feel like I'm needing to rewatch stuff from a long time ago. Let's see. Blue velvet. And who all is in this thing? Laura Dern is in that. She is Sandy Williams. I think she was the one who should have been the love okay. interest, but, uh, uh, Isabella Rossellini ends up being the love interest or the fascination of yeah. uh, the Kyle McLaughlin character, Ge- <laughs> Jeffrey Beaumont.
1: So, yeah, she's the one I remember.
0: And then, you you know, to tie it back in to some of the earlier stuff, Dennis Hopper is in that one as Frank. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so this is another uh, another one of the Roger Corman alum. So, yes. <laughs> this is great.
1: Yeah, if, if you watch uh, Silence of the Lambs, there's a big uh, oil portrait of Roger Corman up on the wall. Oh, is there? Yeah, above the above the stairs, I think, is at the FBI headquarters. She she talks to George Romero plays someone, and then she goes down this uh, the steps, and uh, there's this big portrait on the wall, and that's Roger Corman.
0: Oh, that's insane! I have to rewatch all of this. <laughs> Now, normally, when uh, when the crazy busyness of holiday season dies down, it's about the last week of the year where we're not busy at the shop. And maybe this is a good time for me to rewatch these things. And I mentioned this and then cut it out of the episode, but uh, we have a regular listener, Mike, who uh, is a uh, crime stats analyst uh, for Denver. And maybe we could talk to him about... Uh, Silence of the Lambs and, you know, the way they they profile this bad guy, you know, this this serial killer and all this stuff. It's like he probably could tell us some stuff about criminals and what they do and don't do. Yeah, that'd be interesting for an episode, I think. But uh, yeah, love, you know, Blue Velvet, Silence of the Lambs. There's nothing wrong with going back and revisiting these movies
1: mm-hmm.
0: for sure. But I digress as usual. Um, (laughs) so we have, uh, so we have Roger Corman saying, uh, Hey, I know a guy who makes rubber dinosaurs, you know, he wants to do forced perspective, but we have a puppet. Let's do this thing. Now, I don't honestly know the story about how this got made. So do you have a little history on it?
1: Uh, yeah. So this is, um, back in 1984, this novel came out called Carnosaur written by Harry Adam Knight, which is a pseudonym of uh, an Australian author named John Brosnan, who uh, I was familiar with because he's he's written. A, he's like a uh, he's a science fiction writer. Um, he works with publishers who deal with science fiction. He's, he's uh, this book is called Future Tense, the cinema of science fiction, which is really good. Um, you know, it's looking at the genre up to about 1980. Um, He wrote for the Hammer magazines back in the 70s. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah, he's a really really funny and well-informed writer. Uh, But anyway, um, so he wrote this novel, and uh, it didn't do very well. Um, He was told by his friend uh, that uh, dinosaur movies were going to be big in the late 80s, so he should get in there. (laughs) So... he. He did this thing and didn't do very well. Uh, It got published in the US um, by publishers who went under pretty soon afterwards. Um, (laughs) So he he didn't think anything was going to come of it. Uh, But anyway, this uh, other writer comes along named Michael Crichton and he does his own uh, novel about dinosaurs called Jurassic Park. And uh, several scenes uh, bear... Resemblance to uh, what he'd written in Carnosaur. Um, Carnosaur is about a, uh, as a uh, uh, there's a zoo in Cambridgeshire on this rich guy's estate, and uh, they've got genetics labs there, and they're using um, uh, DNA from uh, dinosaurs spliced with uh, modern day uh, chickens because you know birds are descended from dinosaurs mm-hmm. um and uh they're, they're creating uh they're recreating dinosaurs like they got a uh, deinonychus and so on and of course uh, things things start escaping and running around the english countryside and uh uh killing off people and getting getting into houses and uh helicopters and and so on and um you know all familiar things mm-hmm. um but anyway, um, Roger Corman's wife, uh, I think her name's Julie, uh, she uh, took an interest in the book and uh, contacted him. And uh, he, uh, he, he ended up writing a uh, treatment and then a draft of a screenplay uh, for Roger Corman, who then uh, uh, went back to Hollywood with it and uh, cut out everything that he could to uh, make it cheaper and uh, most of the interesting stuff and uh, ended up with Carnosaur. Um <laughs> So the, uh, the original author didn't have much to do with the film. Uh, when he did see it eventually, he said it was crap. And uh, he was looking forward to seeing it with his friends and leading the, uh, leading the abuse um, <laughs> at, at his local drinking hole, um, which must've been fun. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, um, so that, that's, that's how it, how it came about. Uh, so Roger Corman heard that, uh, Steven Spielberg was ramping up his massive Jurassic park movie and he wanted to get this movie out shortly before Jurassic park came out and uh, cash in on that. And it, and it did.
0: Yeah. It was a preemptive mockbuster hmm And, uh, and since the book preceded the Crichton book, then, uh, nobody's got an argument that they could really stand on to say this thing's a copycat. Although mm-hmm. it kind of is.
1: It really, yeah, I mean, ironically, the Jurassic Park series, like, uh, they took ideas from, or, or they, I don't know how, if they took ideas from the original dinosaur novel, because, you know, dinosaurs being recreated in the modern day, you know, there's only so much you can do with that really. right. I'm, what are they going to do? They get out Rampage. Um, There's specific scenes like the, uh, where they get into a helicopter or when they get into houses and, uh, various characters getting injured in certain ways, um, that are replicated. Right. But, uh, um, yes, there, there is a, there's a to and fro in the influences going on.
0: Well, sure. And, uh, you know, the difference between filming wherever, versus filming on excellent locations can really do a lot to make your film feel more legitimate or less. Mm-hmm. And I've actually hiked through um, the, the Valley in Hawaii where they filmed a lot of the Jurassic park footage. And it's um, it's the uh, Kualoa ranch on the uh, windward side of Oahu. And it's um, it's a place. This is, totally not related, but it's a place where, um, it's a, it's a cattle ranch that spans thousands and thousands of acres and, uh, magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms grow on the, uh, the cow dung. So there are guys in four wheelers that drive around, uh, ATVs, I should say that drive around and just like, if they see any growing, they kick them over and hopefully the hippies won't hike in and pick them or whatever, but people will just walk through or hop over the fence and go in and pick mushrooms and get out of there. But while you're in there, you will find movie sets like bits and pieces of movie sets. And it's really weird. I have a picture of myself in front of like a, um, uh, uh, a mash building, you know, with the red cross on it. It's like an army green building with sandbags around it and a red cross on it. And it looks like Vietnam era or Korean war era or whatever. And you kick the sandbags they are full of straw. It's not, nothing's real. You go inside the cabin and there's a bunch of X's and marks on the floor where the cameras would go. It's weird. Like you, you go, you go in there unauthorized and you can find all kinds of crazy stuff, but they do guided tours and you can ride in a Jurassic park Jeep.
1: So why, why do those mushrooms grow just there?
0: Well, it's, it's a perfect storm of temperature, humidity, and uh surface to grow on so the spores become airborne they land someplace that just gets the right temperature the right moisture the right sunshine and they just keep growing and no matter what those guys do <laughs> they're not going to stop them from growing it's been going on forever and it's going to keep going on but yeah i knew plenty of people who picked them and they would dry them and uh, enjoy them uh, it's it's great uh Whenever they film something there, whether it's a TV commercial or something in a movie, like Mighty Joe Young had a bunch of scenes filmed there, uh, sometimes the camera would just have to go a little bit more to the left or a little bit more to the right, depending on what angle they're at, and you would see the Pacific Ocean and a little island that's called Chinaman's Hat. So excuse the old racist nomenclature, but uh, there's a, um, a very um, hat-shaped island that's just offshore. And it's right there. And uh, you can know that you're at the right spot by stopping when you reach that little island and then walk across the highway. Hike in. You know, go to your movie sets or pick your shrooms or whatever it is you're doing. Or, you know, get the legitimate tour if you want to do that. But it's pretty cool, though. Uh, there wasn't any of that in Carnosaur. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But they it had. Like Clint it's filmed in a quarry.
0: <laughs> totally, they're like, uh, "Well, if we film after dark and you won't see anything, it'll seem like we're yeah. someplace." <laughs> we got Clint Howard. So, what else do you want? Oh,
1: yes, he's about the the most fun character in that, wasn't he?
0: Oh, he's great. He's he's always good in everything he's in. He he doesn't have any qualms about being who he is, does he? He's like, I'm not, I'm not Ron Howard. Okay. Let's
1: be, right, he's he's accepted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's in so many horror movies and so many crazy B movies. And I, I just love that about him. They even put him in one of the Austin power movies, um, Austin powers movies. Uh, he's just like, Oh God. What? I want to say he was one of the military guys, because they they keep spotting something and, and making reference to genitalia in different oh god what
1: the last last thing I saw him in was the solo movie the uh, Han Solo film
0: uh, oh he's in that I
1: yeah because have... his brother took over direction didn't he
0: okay I, I have still not seen any of the new ones I am I am the worst at seeing new Star Wars stuff I love early you sp- live I know <laughs> That's what I'm told. Uh, yeah, he's the younger brother of Ron Howard, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's in all these movies.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Um, what is his character? I want to say he's one of the military guys. His, his IMDb page is way too long. <laughs> it's like you'll never find what you're looking for because it's buried. Yeah. It's buried.
1: He's the, he's the star of uh, The Ice Cream Man, I think, which I've not seen.
0: I still haven't seen that. Uh,
1: it's, it's one of those late 80s, early 90s slashes. I'm not interested in.
0: Right. Well, he, he's been in some Rob Zombie movies. He was in Lords of Salem and he was in Halloween. Uh, let's see if I scroll back a little bit. Let's see if I can find it. Um, yeah, I, th- I want to say it's the original Austin Powers. Let's see. Yes. He's the radar operator because they see Dr. Evil's ship going, going along and they're, they keep saying that it looks like a, a big penis shaped thing. But every time they say something, it's slightly out of context, but then they cut to the next person. Like somebody refers to somebody as Johnson. And, uh, you know, then they cut to somebody else. Anyway, he's one of those characters. So he's on screen for like a second and a half. Yeah. I'm only talking about this because Will's not here. <laughs>
1: uh, well, what, what would he be talking about?
0: I don't know. <laughs> Probably not that, though.
1: How, how much he loves this movie.
0: Oh, I know. It's so much that he couldn't be here to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so we had Clint Howard. Um, let's see. Let's see who else is in that cast from Carnosaur. So, t- so
1: you got Diane Ladd. Uh huh. Uh, the, f- the uh, monster effects are by John Carl Buchler, who's who did um Friday the 13th, part seven.
0: Oh, the new blood. Oh, he yeah, and he, he did
1: he did some of those like gremlins ripoffs as well, didn't he?
0: Oh, the ghoulies, yeah, the
1: ghoulies, yeah.
0: Uh, let's see, I, I just pulled up his uh, his.
1: I think he did Tammy and the T Rex. He, he did some the gore in that.
0: Oh my god, really? That's terrible. Uh, let's see. Troll, Dungeon Master. Uh, I don't know what Deep Freeze is. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which looks like Leprechaun. So that's from 2006. And The Eden Formula, which you mentioned earlier. Okay. He's written some stuff. He's acted in two of the hatchet movies that were directed by Adam green. Um, so yeah, he's, he's kept himself busy. That's awesome. Um, this movie wasn't probably the best example of his capabilities, Uh but he, he, he wanted to use the stuff that he made differently than how it got used.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. They didn't shoot his stuff well.
0: And I seem to remember reading earlier today that he was happier with the shooting on the second one, which probably wasn't good either.
1: Yeah, you, you saw more of the full-scale T-Rex in that one.
0: So you had puppets and models that were shot better. Yeah, but still not.
1: Yeah, the second second one is, uh, it's, uh, basically a remake of Aliens. Oh. Except all in a warehouse with dinosaurs.
0: Oh. And not good. No. <laughs> That's a guess. I haven't seen it. I don't know.
1: It, it moves faster than the first one, though.
0: Yeah. Um... So the plot of this thing is that we have somebody who's a big dinosaur advocate and uh, DNA splicer scientist person. Is that a good way to describe
1: (laughs) Diane? I think that's that's her job description.
0: Yeah, so this is Diane Ladd's character, Dr. Jane Tiptree. Mm -hmm. Um, I read somewhere, and I don't know if it's here that a bunch of the characters were named after, um, birds. And I know there was Anne Thrush. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, is, is a tip, tr- is a tip tree. A is, bird? That,
1: is that slang in the U S thrush? Yeah. Cause thrush is a STD in, in England.
0: Oh, um, no, not that I know of. Uh, it, oh, okay. That, that they could have just got that one past me and maybe I just don't know about it, but, uh, Is a Runyon a bird? Uh, No, that's... I'm sorry, that's the actress. Um, Let's see. Tiptree Smith. Fowler. It's got Fowl in it. Is a Fallon a bird? Or a Paloma? Oh, there's a Dr. Raven. Oh, there you go. Uh, Yeah. Ed Williams, who was in the uh, Police Squad and Naked Gun movies. The TV series Police Squad. Um... Yeah, Doctor Raven, and then there was uh Brett Hinckley was Peregrine. So that's a okay. that's a falcon. Okay, so mm-hmm. we get yeah, there's several. Okay. Um, so there's a bunch of bird people. And uh so there's a uh there's something happening where one of these chickens hatches a reptile which kills the driver of the truck that they're being transported in, and it escapes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, this is very reliant on chickens for about the first third of the movie, it seems.
1: Yeah, you get that horrible chicken farm, chicken execution factory at the start. Yeah, you?
0: factory farming. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Yeah, that, that'll put you off of eating chicken for a while, I think. Um, uh, they're near the small town of Climax, Nevada, which I'm assuming <laughs> isn't a real place. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, they, uh, The people of Climax Nevada start getting sick with a mysterious illness with a fever and flu-like symptoms. Um, about uh, half of them refuse to wear masks, so it keeps spreading, I assume.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, it's uh, probably how it goes.
1: S- sounds unlike- unlikely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, who would be so foolish is my question. <laughs> yeah you clearly know what's going on you just wear a mask uh let's see uh there there is a quarry where the watchman uh protects uh equipment from environmentalists who are going to destroy it
1: and unbelievably he's the hero
0: yeah (laughs) he's a
1: drunk he's a smoker he wears sunglasses indoors at night yeah he's a jerk
0: yeah, but somehow he's the best person in the in the movie. Uh, he's in, he's investigating some killings, um, which is from the escape dinosaur. We find out, and uh, hilarity ensues. One of the daughters of, of the employees is uh, is killed, and let's see. Uh, the doctor lures him into a laser-protected dinosaur pen where a T-Rex devours him.
1: Not the, not that guy. Is it not the hero.
0: Is it a different guy?
1: Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, the sheriff. Yeah, it's the sheriff. Yeah. Sheriff, not the security guard. The sheriff gets killed that way. Right. I, I feel like I don't remember anything about this movie.
1: The, uh, the hero gets... He does indeed get killed, but right at the end.
0: Oh yeah, he's the one with the uh, he, uh where they take the the bobcats or the or the backhose or whatever and they do battle.
1: Yeah, so he, him and Thrush uh take on the uh T-Rex in these bobcats. Yeah. Uh if you want to see a good uh uh construction machine versus dinosaur movie, watch uh, Dinosaurus. Yeah. Uh yeah, it came out about 60 years ago. Much better. Awesome. Um,
0: How were we talking about Bobcats recently that I I mentioned to you guys to watch the Bobcat Rodeo? (laughs) This just came up like last episode. And I don't remember how.
1: No, I don't remember. Because
0: I was saying, oh, yeah, they call them skid steers, but look up Bobcat Rodeo or Skid Steer Rodeo. And I was saying that and I know it was something to do with something we watched. And then it comes up in this movie. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, people who can who can operate those things well i i would I would put my money on the Bobcat over the T-rex, to be honest with you. If you had a good operator, but my younger brother is one of these guys who could do it. He could He could take out a t-rex. Uh, I would bet on Jim any day, but <laughs> it takes a lot of hours of practice though. You don't just jump in the thing and you're ready to do battle. Now, was that Alien or Aliens where um, Sigourney Weaver's character, uh, Ripley, uh, puts, on, puts on the suit? Yeah, it was the second one. Okay. Yeah. Where she puts yeah, on yeah. the mechanized suit for loading freight or whatever it's for. hmm Yeah. That was... She uh,
1: takes on the queen.
0: Yeah. And, th- and spoiler alert for Aliens, if you haven't seen it, uh, she... <laughs> She throws the monster out of the airlock. The end. What could go wrong? <laughs> okay, back to this one. Okay, so uh, uh, the activists uh, handcuff themselves to some equipment, and uh, they're encountered b- by a T-Rex. And
1: uh, Oh, I think it's the uh, raptor that kills them.
0: Oh, is it a raptor? Okay. Um, they they looked so si- they look so similar and rubbery that I
1: yeah I'm not sure actually and th- it, maybe it's the T Rex when it's still small oh uh,
0: what was the uh Dino, dino crino
1: dino? there's a Denonicus uh, yeah that's the the one with the big hook foot that like, takes out the sheriff
0: yeah yeah what is that a third yeah, one he
1: has it, there's that scene where the uh, you think oh this black guy might survive the movie, no. and he's <laughs> and he uh, he shotguns the uh, the raptor and uh, but then he goes and stands right over it to do the uh, killing shot, right. And it just uh, gouges him with its foot.
0: Yeah, you don't do that with uh, any sort of dinosaurs or Jason Voorhees. <laughs> you, you stay out of reach.
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe you learn nothing. Um, so, yeah, we've we've got um, different dinosaurs doing different killings. Um, uh, let's see. Doc infiltrates uh, the laboratory and at gunpoint, she reveals her experiments uh, to him. The town's mysterious illness is caused by infected chicken eggs, which contain a lethal airborne virus. And they impregnate women with dinosaur embryos. How? Never mind. Doesn't matter. <laughs> this, won't yeah. be, this won't be important. <laughs> um, so, women are becoming pregnant with dinosaur babies, which also can hatch from chicken eggs. So, you know, live birth or egg birth doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, her idea is to exterminate the human race. Because uh, she's a big dinosaur advocate and thinks they should rule the earth again
1: okay.
0: um sure it seems reasonable she goes so far as to give birth to a dinosaur herself yes and it's a it's like a chest burster scene right but a little bit lower in the abdomen
1: I think Corman like like that scene because he does it in all his uh, like galaxy of terror and his horror science fiction films oh. of the eighties, doesn't
0: he? Yeah.
1: yeah, women being killed in birth—that's like a—he was into that.
0: Yeah, what a weird thing to fixate on, right? <laughs> um, so the the advocate of the dinosaurs ends up giving birth to one. Uh, she never lives to see what becomes of all of this. Um, do we feel like? Now I have not seen the uh, the sequels. Do we feel like you could rely on this movie to say the government guys show up and finish it off, and it's going to be done? Or are well, there bubbles um, coming up out of the swamp at the end?
1: I mean, the se- the sequels drop the disease thing completely. Oh, they they refer back to the first movie, and basically they take the idea of genetically uh, retro-engineered dinosaurs. But, uh, yeah, they dropped the whole disease thing.
0: They realized Jurassic Park didn't do it, so why should
1: they? <laughs> yeah, save, save some money. Save some hazmat rental.
0: But this this guy, uh, at, toward the end of the movie, doesn't he have the, uh, the antidote and everything's good to go? But
1: Yeah, he has the antidote and he takes it back to his trailer and he's in the trailer with Thrush. Right. And then uh, then the hazmat guys come in and they kill them both. And then they just torch everything.
0: Including the antidote. Yep. So, good job, government guys. mm mm-hmm. um, And that should be the end of it. Yep. But it isn't. No. <laughs> so, they... So they sort of uh, shake off all of this virus stuff and then what do they do with part two?
1: Uh, so they have um, a research center and it's two months later, I think. And uh, so there's uh, this team goes in to investigate it and meet dinosaurs. And uh, and you know the plot of Aliens. Yeah. It's just just that.
0: So they do that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, instead of a space lander being uh, trashed by an alien jumping on a pilot, it's a helicopter. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's it's, uh, several scenes that are just low-budget versions of Aliens.
0: Hmm. All right. Um,
1: yeah. Well, it's one, got John Savage in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I guess you could say about uh, Carnosaur, and, and this is something I know Will appreciates, is uh, they brought it in under 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent $850,000 but made $1.8 million. Oh, there you go. So money was made.
1: yeah. I, I don't know how much of that was advertising. You know, it, it, they might've just broken even.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When they say budget, it's, uh, it's probably not always the same.
1: Yeah. I've got, I've got a question like uh, this, this uh, research center is supposed to be uh, bioengineering. And you'd think it, it'd all be uh, sanitary and everyone would be super clean all the time. But uh, they're the worst. Oh, yeah. Like, there's characters just sneezing on each other. Uh, they sneeze in their hands and then they shake hands. Uh, when someone's eating, there's someone just lying on the table right in his face, talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, this, this is not at all what we're used to seeing, like, clean rooms and stuff like that in sci-fi movies. Yeah. This is not that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And, and why do so many of the characters seem to be wearing clothes they've they've yet to grow into, <laughs> like huge great jackets and shirts, and these little people inside of them—it's bizarre.
0: Was it the style of the day? Was it like the—I um, don't know—it's a little bit past the the uh, the shoulder pad, yeah, period in time. Cause that would have been like the mid to late eighties. So this is 93. So that's not an excuse. I don't know. That's that's crazy. Um, But when it comes right down to it, uh, you know, you've got uh, Siskel and Ebert were alive at the time. Ebert Ebert hated it. Siskel liked it. So that, you know, the critics didn't even agree that's kind of crazy. If you think about it, like no, normally these guys would be like, no, it's a piece of garbage. Uh, I, I don't like it at all. Um, this was, uh, <sighs> let's see. I'll just read a couple of, uh, you know, let's not talk about Siskel and Ebert, but, uh, Leonard Malton was critical of what he considered to be a largely forgettable film, saying that it's only notoriety was, uh, was going to be known as 1993's Other Dinosaur Movie. Uh, John Petrakis of Chicago Tribune described the film as convoluted, obtuse, and eventually nonsensical. (laughs) Eventually nonsensical?
1: Eventually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It got around to it. I guess that's true. Maybe it was making sense at the beginning, but... um, Let's see. Variety's... uh, Leonard Claddy compared carnosaur to a B movie creature film released in the fifties and surmised that it was destined for a quick trip to the tar pits of video shelves and cable screenings.
1: I would watch any dinosaur movie from the fifties over this
0: a hundred percent. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not a good movie. Uh, the sh- I, I'll
1: read you a, uh, uh- Michael J. Weldon in Psychotronic. Oh, please do. Um,
0: Psychotronic movie see. guide.
1: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the best part of the movie is a picture of Alfred E. Newman. Yeah. Uh, Carnosaur doesn't make much sense. The music is boring. There's too much talk. And the dinosaurs created by John Buechler are often laughable. So he wasn't impressed either.
0: Um, did you like how they wrapped it up at the end when the Alfred E. Newman picture was burning?
1: That was creative.
0: It it looked almost like a skeleton face. Like I've seen uh, where people melded the Crimson Ghost Misfits logo uh, to the Alfred E. Newman portrait, and it kind of looked like that when it was burning. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, honestly, though, none of the critics are wrong with their complaints. Normally, I will say they're just being a bunch of whiny babies. None of them are really wrong. The special effects could have looked better if they were shot the way the effects artists wanted them to be shot, but...
1: Yeah, I've read articles by uh, people who saw it when they were kids, and they enjoyed it.
0: Yeah.
1: It gave you dinosaurs and a bit of gore. Yeah. You know, and, and when you're a kid, you'll sit through something for, you know, for longer to see something shocking.
0: Did you see this on the video shelves at the rental shops and skip it?
1: Uh, No, because this came out when I was in Japan. um, So I wouldn't have seen it back when it was first run. This this is the first, this is the first time I've seen it.
0: Right. Same here. And, uh, but not my first opportunity. It was, uh, it was on the rental shelves for years until there weren't rental shelves anymore. And I never once reached for it. I just looked at it and said, this is a piece of exploitive garbage. I'm not going to watch this. Obviously, they're ripping off Jurassic Park. Who cares?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I never even considered renting it and never did. And if it was showing somewhere on a cable, I never watched it. So now that I have watched it, I just have to say I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and you lucked out and you were in Japan. So <laughs> now here we sit. Dumber for having watched this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It just kind of makes me want to make an Alfred E. Newman t-shirt. <laughs> that's my big takeaway from this movie. It's like, oh, I miss the guy from Mad Magazine. I want to put him on I, stuff.
1: I, this is my choice. And uh, I thought, while I was watching it, I thought, maybe we should institute a punishment for if you choose something that's bad and inflict <laughs> on the others. <laughs> And and uh, the, the punishment can be in the form of uh, witchcraft. Yeah, they've made they've made sixteen witchcraft movies. So depending on how uh, how egregious the choice is, you can punish someone by making them watch one to sixteen witchcraft films.
0: Oh wow, I like that. It's like a drinking game, except for you don't have the luxury of getting drunk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you have to go go away and watch, you know, X number of witchcraft movies and report on them the next episode.
0: I think that works. Now, do we even need to go over the, the part where we say where, whether we would recommend it or not? Do we even need to do that?
1: <laughs> well, what do you reckon? Uh,
0: I would say it's dumb enough to watch it anyway. But not good enough to watch it in any seriousness. So if you feel like watching it as a goof, go ahead. I don't recommend it for anyone who's watching it for any kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, required viewing for any other reason. No, there's nothing to that. There's nothing uh, to say that this is important to anything else. Uh, you could read everything you need to know about it or have just listened to what we said to know that, okay, well, it was a book that came out first and the movie was rushed to production, but it was cheaply done. You don't need to watch the movie to know that stuff. So I would say skip it unless you feel like having some fun watching it on a goof. Go ahead.
1: That's Clint Howard completes
0: Yeah, yeah. If you must watch everything with Clint Howard in it, then you will be watching this movie and uh yeah there it is so for next episode uh you know we don't know if uh, will's going to be joining us or not do you want me to pick something now cuz i thought of something that maybe
1: sure
0: maybe we all have access to i feel like i saw that it was available on hulu okay. o- oculus do you know this movie oculus
1: yeah. oh yeah yeah i saw that one
0: yeah i think we could talk about oculus because Haunted objects comes up a lot. I listen to a lot of supernatural paranormal podcasts, that sort of thing. Um, This is something where it's a haunted object. It has power over people. It has done horrible things to people. And now some very sharp young people are going to figure out how to sort it out with this fail safe uh, mirror destroying device. And I think it's really clever. And it was originally a short, but the, I'm talking about, of course, the feature length movie. And um, I'll give you a year on it here. Uh, this was. Uh, I'm going to have to put um, Oculus movie if I'm going to do this. Hold on a sec. Um, it's a 2013 movie directed by Mike Flanagan. Mm
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> and probably my favorite one of his.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely, I definitely liked Hush. Um, one of his Ouija movies was pretty decent, but I didn't really care for Dr. Sleep, but I think that it was more about the writing and not the directing. So I can't put that on him, but, uh, yeah, let's watch, uh, Oculus, unless uh, Will scoots in and says, wait a minute, let's do this instead. But, okay. Yeah, the feature-length 2013 Mike Flanagan-directed movie. All right. All right, so we'll do that uh, unless we uh, sort it out otherwise. And on that, uh, listeners, thank you for listening, and stay off the moors.